0: there was all this exciting stuff happening and I still was at this point where I just was like, something's wrong. Like I, I'm not happy. Like I'm not, I'm not joyful. I'm not, um, it's like everything on the surface seems good, but something is, is, is not right. And, and that's when typically God will get you to those points either by circumstantial or something going on internal. And he's just like any, It's because you've been putting all your faith in whether you realize it or not, things outside of you. I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can. A light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world everywhere you go you have a ministry you don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry your light is your ministry it's how you shine it at your job at your family at the dinner table with your friends at the movies at the park at your apartment everywhere you go you are made to shine your light do it be it love people be kind honor them honor yourself this Is made to shine. What's up, people? How are we rocking and rolling? I, um, we're back on the floor. You know what? We're just gonna toss up between my office and the floor. I also, I understand the lighting isn't great. I'm so sorry. Uh, I hope that's okay, but we're gonna deal with it today. You know, someone was telling me the other day they were like, "Annie, I love how." And this was an in-person conversation. This was not a DM. But they were just like, "I, you're so real. Like, I feel like you just don't even care what you look like." And to make it so relatable, when you give these messages or you go on your Instagram, I was like, "I think that's a compliment." That could also One could take it as like, you look like a ragamuffin every time you talk to us, which is also, that's very fair to say. Some of you maybe aren't from the South, so you have no idea what ragamuffin means. It kind of means how it
1: sounds. It's like, gosh, um,
0: not looking cute. It's how I would put that. It's right up there with how I remember growing up when my hair, I have very curly hair. For those of you watching the YouTube version, you could, this is my natural hair. Um, so this is like, if I'm not doing my hair, this is how my hair naturally looks. So I have very curly hair. And more often than not, you know, when you're younger, you don't know how to style said curly hair I still don't know how to style it I don't know what to do with this mob. um but my mom sometimes I'd like walk downstairs and she'd be like oh no honey your hair looks like a bird's nest right now you go right back up and you redo your hair so ragamuffin bird's nest we have all these sayings in the south I always joke I just come up with my own sayings now and when people try to be like Annie that's not a saying, what are you saying? I say, I'm from the South. I can make up any sort of saying that I want to say. And we just go from there. Um, today I'm actually, I've been loving these, my heart Tour Thursdays because it holds me accountable to having some sort of message to give you all. And I have a dear friend that I do a Bible study with on Fridays. Um, And that's actually a really good reminder. You know, it's funny. I, I'm going to be in a Bible study starting in January with like a group of people. And I think that's so important, but I think we, we put all this criteria to what like a Bible study has to be and what it has to have. And we think it has to have 12 people and we have to follow this curriculum and y'all Some of the most impactful Bible studies in my life have been with friends, and we've been sitting on my circular kitchen table over there, and we just get in the Word together. We literally, we we just pray, we talk about what's going on in our life, and then we take a verse at a time, and we just talk about how it spoke to us. That's a Bible study. And some of the most impactful messages God has given me has come from those time with friends. And so I encourage you, like, you don't need to put off being part of a Bible study because you think you need to have 55 and 57 people in it. Just call up a friend, ask to meet bi-weekly once a month. I like to do weekly and talk, maybe get some coffee involved and just talk talk about what's going on in your life and then whip out your word and go at it verse at a time. What's a verse? A verse is literally like Mark one, one through Mark one, eight. And sometimes that's all you get done because you have so much to talk about. And other times it's like, you might go to one thirty. I don't know. Cause you don't have a lot to talk about whatever it is. That's a Bible study. And so I've been doing that. And there is, we were, we were in Mark last week and, um, and God was just showing me some stuff, some, so you know how it is. It's like, the Bible's the only word that reads you back. It's the only book that reads you back. I said that wrong. Uh, I was being read. I was being so read and God was so ministering to me. Cause I'll tell you what I, um, I posted this a, a couple of weeks ago, but like my journey in the self-development space and how, if your self-development doesn't lead to spiritual dependence, you haven't developed yourself enough because nothing can replace Jesus. Like self-development cannot replace Jesus and, uh, or self-help or ice baths or routines or whatever have you. And and I so believe that. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't still struggle with that at times. Like falling into my vice is routine. My vice is process. My vice is being in control, wanting control, wanting certainty. And when you hit those moments in life where you're kind of stripped of the things that you once found your comfort and your control and your certainty, I mean, whether it's, you know, you've lost your job, you've lost a friend, you've lost a child, you've lost a relationship, you've lost a parent, you've lost and maybe not physically, but like you the relationship that was will no longer be even though they're physically alive because of something that happened whatever have you you know you're kind of at this point where you're like I can't get up like I can't get myself up and we were talking about that um last week like what do you do when you get to that point where you can't get yourself up and when we got into scripture like this wasn't even that's kind of where my heart was was I was in this place of okay God I have this book coming out soon, which you guys have probably heard of or heard me talk about by now. If you follow me on social, it's my new devotional, Single Not Incomplete. And actually, I have the proof copy right here. So y'all are the first to see it um, if I haven't it, posted it on Instagram. I don't know when this is coming out, so don't hold me to that. But this is the proof copy. This is my little not for resale, version. Um, But like I have this new book coming out, and I have been able to have some more time with my my podcast and being intentional about this stuff. And I don't know if y'all have ever felt this way, but I was like, there was all this exciting stuff happening, and I still was at this point where I just was like, something's wrong. Like I I'm not happy. Like I'm not I'm not joyful. I'm not. Um. It's like everything on the surface seems good. But something is, is, is not right. And, and that's when typically God will get you to those points, either by circumstantial or something going on internal. And he's just like, Annie, it's because you've been putting all your faith in whether you realize it or not things outside of you. And I've talked to y'all a lot about hitting rock bottom and how you shouldn't be afraid of it. Because when you hit rock bottom, you get really intimate with who you're building your life on, the rock you're building your life on. And through my own journey, the past really six months of hitting my own versions of rock bottom, God has just been so kind and so and so gracious and has been drawing so near to my heart in ministering. Sorry,
1: I get emotional because it um
0: he's just been so kind in ministering. You know, it's like you don't have to get up by yourself. And I think it's just so freaking cool how we serve a God that is the God of everything. You know, he's the God of the entire universe. He is the God of literally everything. yet he's so personal. And oh, y'all, typically when I record these, I'm not like looking at myself while I'm blubbering up. Oh, um, but he's so personal. And there's a story in the Bible that really illustrates that. And it just was a... It just hit me right in the heart Um, last Friday when I was with my dear friend. And it was when Jesus like first started his ministry. So he like just picked up Peter. He just picked up Andrew, which are their brothers. And Jesus is starting his ministry and he's gathering followers. And so he chooses his disciples and he chooses Peter. He chooses Andrew. Then he chooses James and John. And he's going and he performs a miracle in front of a crowd of people. And he basically casts out an evil spirit, right? And then after that, Peter, one of his dudes, like one of his three peeps, Peter, um, his mother-in-law is sick. And so Jesus goes to Peter's house and heals his mother-in-law because they asked him to. And that hit me right right in the gut, heart gut, it hit me everywhere because I was just thinking like, okay, there's such a distinction here between Jesus, like there's a crowd around him. I'm in Mark 1, 20, 21. There's a crowd around him. He's performing this miracle. And then Jesus leaves that. He leaves what is a place where he's well-recognized. He's well-known. He's building up superiority. He's, He's building up accolades, like achievement, if we were to make this in in this terms, like he's gaining the Instagram followers. People are all up on his TikTok. Like people are just on him. They want to see him. They're all up on his YouTube. Like they are sharing, they're liking, they're retweeting, they're doing all the stuff. And he decides to go to Peter's house. So that would be like someone going viral on TikTok, viral on Instagram, and then getting off the app, like retreating to a quieter place. And we see that a lot. We see Jesus perform a miracle. People are freaking out. He's going viral. And then he retreats to a to a place by himself to be with, with God, to be with his father. In this case, he retreats to Simon Peter's house. This guy that just performed this miracle of casting out his evil spirit, instead of like, sitting back and letting people come to him, feeling like he's the stuff, all that and a bag of chips. He decides to go to a place where no one really is yet and heal the mother-in-law of his friend, Peter. And the reason that hit my heart was because I was like, wow, God is <sighs> showing us That yes, he is the God of this Bible. Yes, he is the God of the world. He is the God of the universe. He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Like he's the God of all that.
1: But he's a personal God.
0: He leaves the 99 for you. He'll get off his stage to come be with you in your house because you asked him to be there. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away.
1: They asked him to come. And so Jesus left this crowd where he just did all the stuff to come to a quiet place because they asked him to right away. What that told me was God comes because I ask him to
0: right away. God is with me when, when this book launches, and hopefully it touches some hearts and touches some lives and it does well. God's with me. But guess what? He's also with
1: me right here, like on this living room floor in an apartment
0: that I love, but it's quiet. There's no one here. There's no one around. God's with me when I'm going to be uh, giving a couple talks coming up. One at my old high school, which I'm so excited about, Founders Day Chapel. Like He's going to be with me there. But guess what? He's also with me here. When I hit my rock bottom moments that I was talking about not too long ago, and I called them my closet floor moments. In this case, they were my kitchen floor moments. I couldn't even make it to the closet. I was so upset saw on my kitchen floor with me. That's, that's our God. Like he was with Billy Graham when he was preaching to stadiums. He also is with you right now, maybe on the stair stepper or the treadmill or wherever the heck you're watching this. Whatever person YouTube algorithm conjured up, right? Like he's the God of, of like all of it. And I think we forget that sometimes maybe you're not like me, but sometimes I'll be like, God, how are you with actually every person? Like, how are you answering the prayers of my friend Susie over here? I don't have a friend named Susie, but my friend Susie and me, how are you working through my pastor who's on tour right now, speaking to thousands and you're with me and this Time of my life where my problems don't seem as big as his or my impact doesn't seem as big as his. Like, how are you the God of everything? And that's what Jesus shows us. Jesus is a reflection of God himself. And Jesus goes from the crowded, popular, tons of people place to Peter's house because Peter asked him to. He's a God of scale, but he's a personal God.
1: He's a God of the masses, but he's an intimate God. And going a little bit deeper, what I love is
0: they told her, they told Jesus about uh, Peter's brother-in-law right away. So Jesus comes and he goes, like I sit up, I get so excited about this. He goes to her bedside. I'm in Mark one thirty-one. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. Jesus took her by the hand before
1: she sat up. And
0: then the fever left her. See, if we were to put that into the context of how Annie Mayfield lives her life, it would be she got up on her own and then took his hand and the fever left her. Or it would actually probably be she got up on her own. She prepared a meal for Jesus because she felt like she had to earn her healing. And then after he ate and was satisfied and said the meal was good, she took his hand and the fever left her. And that's how a lot of us live our lives. A lot of us live our lives as if we have to earn our way
1: to holding Jesus's hand.
0: And earn our way towards getting his healing. Cause those are two different things. Like one is a relationship with him and the other is what he can provide. And I learned a long time ago that a lot of us don't graduate past loving God for what he can do for us. Like loving God only for as much as he can lift the fever off of us. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was with, uh, I work with, uh, middle school girls who just, I love, I, I genuinely actually just love to death and they have been such a gift in my life. This is, I'm, I wasn't even planning on saying this, but if you've been thinking about serving, you need to go serve because it works a wonder in your heart more than I promise you could ever work in the wonders of who you're serving. I'll leave that there. Um, And we got on the topic of parents and they were like, you know, talking about their parents and they were just like, oh, my parents, you know, they don't let me do anything. They don't let me, I want to go to this birthday party and I can't go to this birthday party and they don't let me stay up past 10, but like the new episode of blah, blah, blah comes out and it comes out at 10 and I can't watch it. I have to watch the whatever. I have to sneak it. And I just chuckled because I was like, this is so Annie Mayfield when she was in eighth grade. I literally, this sounds like a, a duplicated record of Annie Mayfield in eighth grade and I told him I was like my parents y'all are literally two of my best friends in fact they are they are my best friends (laughs) like my whole family is my best friends and my parents are two of my best friends and they were like what what my parents will never be my best friends like how how did that happen if you're saying you talked like we used to and I remember I like I I didn't know what to say cuz I was like that's kind of hard. I don't know what changed, but just out of my mouth came I fell in I fell more in love with who they are than what they could do for me. And and it's true. It's like when you become an adult. And I think adult is relative because we're all just like children of God trying to figure the heck out. No one has it figured out. No one has it figured out. Um, but when you become like financially independent and you start paying for your own crap and can decide when and where you do certain things, that's what I mean by adult, your parents, that relationship has to change or else. Your love between each other diminishes because if your love for your parents is contingent on what they can do for you and you no longer need them to do anything for you, that relationship is just going to fade. And now that I've kind of graduated from needing them to do anything for me, I mean, I say that relatively, like I need my parents still for just love and support. Um, But I mean, like they don't have to financially provide for me anymore. That relationship has shape shifted into something so much more sweet, into something so much more profound and so much more deep because it's not contingent on what they can do for me. It's contingent on just who they are. It's contingent on the love they have. Okay, I have got to tell you about something I'm so stoked and so excited about Um, If you're anything like me, you love jewelry, like you love rings, you love bracelets, you love necklaces, you love earrings, you love all the jazz. I think jewelry is just the most fun way to express yourself but it's even more fun when that jewelry has a sentiment. I mean, think about it like an engagement ring. Yes, it's pretty, but it, it points back to a covenant between two people that's so much greater than just that piece of jewelry. Well, what if all of our jewelry was like that? I mean, I know for me, it's like, like a tattoo. Every time I look at it, it makes me think of the reason why I got that tattoo, the greater meaning. And I'm so excited to be partnering with Almond Blossoms Jewelry, because they're doing exactly this, especially for my faith-based Christ followers out there, which I know so many of you guys are. Almonds Blossoms Jewelry is doing some amazing things. And the mission behind it is so captivating. As I mean, I didn't even know this, but as they explained to me, God placed almond flowers, buds, and blossoms on the golden lampstand as a symbol of his watchfulness over our lives. Like just imagine that you have a piece of jewelry from this company that's bringing you back to the reminder of God's watchfulness over your life. And even the Hebrew word for almond is shakt. I don't think I'm saying that right, but shakt, which means to watch. And so every piece of their jewelry comes from this watchfulness of God idea and the logo of the almond blossom is on all of it to connect the old and the new testament and and i just i love that i know for myself wearing their their jewelry every time i look at it i'm reminded god's got me he knows me he loves me and he's watching over my life and right now considering holiday season's coming up and maybe you need a good stocking stuffer or something for your friend You can use the code SHINE15 for 15% off. That is SHINE15 for 15% off. I'm so excited for all of us to be decorated with the reminder of the watchfulness of God this Christmas season. For me and the love I have for them. And I'm like, man, so many of us never get to that place with God. Because we are so stuck in a middle school version of our relationship with him as our father. It's like, God, what can you do for me? Right? Like, I want to have kids. God, give me kids. I want that job. God, give me that job. I want to be married. God, give me a husband. Give me a wife. It's like, we love God to the extent at which he provides the needs we think are best for us. And whether we like it or not, that's how a lot of Christians are, right? It's like, we don't love God past what he can do for us, past his provision. But what if there is a relationship with him that is so much greater than what he can do for us, but one that's predicated on just who he is. Jehovah Jireh, he's the provider. Jehovah Rapha, he's the healer, right? Like he is the God of love and mercy and grace. And joy and peace. He's the prince of peace. I mean, just saying who he is and what he is out loud, like, what if there's a relationship based off of who he is, not what he can do for us, that's so much deeper, and so much more joyful, and so much more independent of
1: circumstance. And when
0: it says, seek first the kingdom and all else will follow, I think that's the point. It's like, who are your eyes on? Is it on your circumstance or is it on the person that's with you? And what I love about this verse is the woman, Jesus took her hand before she got up and before the fever left her. Jesus took her hand before she sat up and before the fever left her, he took her hand. To me, taking her hand represents the relationship Jesus says he wants with us. It's reminding us that before God does anything for us, he's our father, which means before we can do anything for him, he's our father. Before she prepared a meal for Jesus, before she did anything for Jesus, he took her hand.
1: And he helped her up. He wanted that relationship, that intimacy with her before she got up.
0: I don't know who needs to hear this. I needed to hear this. Any he, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. You don't need to get yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, God wants to do that with you. But before you get up, he wants to remind you that before you do anything with your ascension, once you are up, before you prepare a meal, before you prepare whatever it is God's called you to prepare, he wants your hand. He wants you to know he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. I mean, This is Jesus. Like, Jesus is the God that can just speak. And like, I think about the um, centurion who the servant, his servant was ill. And he said, God, if Jesus, if you speak, I know he will be healed. We know Jesus has the power to just speak. And this mother-in-law could have been healed, but he doesn't. He goes to Peter's house and he gets her hand. Why? Well, he was just in this massive crowd, and then he comes to Peter's house, and he holds her hand before he heals her. Why do that when you can just speak and she would be healed? Because I think he wants one of the first impressions of him to his disciples to be, hey, I'm in this for the relationship with you. I'm. This is not transactional. I'm not a transactional God. I'm not just trying to heal by by word of mouth. And not ever see you. Because I want you to know before you do anything for me, after you're healed,
1: I want a relationship. I first call you daughter.
0: I first call you son. I call you friend. I call you brother. I call you sister. I'm in hand with you before
1: you do anything for me. And that came before her circumstance
0: changed. So many of us, we're waiting for our circumstance to change before we cling on to Jesus. It's like, God, show me you're there, and then I will really start looking at you. And then I will really change my life around. I will really start tithing once you turn my situation around. And and, and, so, and I'm not shaming anybody. I mean, good night. I've done that before. It's like you want to test God. Okay. God's not intimidated by that. But remember that God is the God of a relationship. More than anything, he wants your heart. He just wants your heart. Jesus took her hand before her circumstance changed. And before she did anything for him. Once her circumstance changed. This is for those of you that are also over there, like really wanting to serve God. You know, you're doing the thing like you're sharing Jesus, you're sharing God. And in the back of your mind, whether you would say it or not, you're like, why am I not as blessed as them? Why do I not have this thing, God? Because I'm doing this for you. I'm preparing for you. Have you taken Jesus's hand? Have you, and I say this because I was that person. I was that person. It's like, and I think Lisa Bevere says this, before God wants to use you in any way, he wants a relationship with you.
1: And a relationship is not contingent on what someone can do for you. It's based in love. I love my parents. Like I, I love my parents and they don't pay my
0: rent. They don't get jobs for me. They don't do my job for me. They can't physically heal my bo- my body. They can't even pay for my chiropractor bills that I go to every month when my body is jacked up, but I love my parents now more than I did when they did all those things for me when I was living under their roof, when they were paying for my food, when they were paying for my
1: chiropractor bills. Why? Because of my relationship with them. I love who they are. They're kind, and they're peaceful, and
0: they're joyful, and they're forgiving, and they're gracious. And they are so lovely. And they are so wonderful. I literally, I'm, I'm such a sucker bee. I'm going to start crying again. Anytime I start talking about my parents, I start crying. But I do, I love them so much. I love them so much.
1: I do. And um,
0: because I know they have seen me at my freaking worst like freaking worse. You might be watching this right now. Like, oh, Annie, she's so sweet. She's such a good person. Look at her crying about her parents. I hope someone, I hope my kids cry about me like that one day. I'm crying about my parents because I remember how horrible I was to them and how I had, they have seen like at my moments where in the past six months, There have been moments where I've had panic attacks, like literally I couldn't breathe. And my dad would sit there and just, he would look at me straight in the eyes. I felt like he was literally looking into like the eyes of death. Like I felt like I was dying. And he would just breathe. He'd be like, Annie, God's got you. Breathe. In for four, out for four. In for four, out for four. We would do that for like 30 minutes. So when I cry, because I love my parents, it's because I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about those moments and I say that because what I'm recognizing now with God, whenever someone cries talking about God, I'm always like, man, what do they know that I don't like? What did they have to go through to get to that intimacy, to that sensitivity to
1: God? And what I'm learning now is I love God. I love God. (laughs) Like, I love God. Not because of the
0: jobs he's given me, the money he's given me. Not because I've achieved XYZ or gotten to do X, Y, Z, or go to certain places. I love God because when I
1: couldn't sit up, just like Peter's mother-in-law, when I couldn't sit up, he held my hand. When the world was so unfair, he held my hand. And you may say, Well, Annie, why would God let that happen in the first place? And my question to you would be What constitutes a good parent? One that never lets anything
0: bad happen to their child? Or one that promises to be there in the fight with them as horrible things happen every step of the way. Jesus told us in this world there would be suffering. Our promise that we cling on to is not that we'll never suffer. It's that we have the ultimate hand to hold as we go through it. Jesus didn't promise that the mother-in-laws of the world wouldn't have fevers. His promise was, I'm going to be there by her bedside to hold her hand before I help her get up, before I release that fever, and before she goes and does anything
1: for me. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad. What I can tell you in 25 years being on this
0: earth, every time I've had moments where I couldn't breathe, like the past couple of months when I've had, when I have episodes of panic attacks and like my dad was having to help me breathe on the couch.
1: Every time my heart got cut a little deeper from pain it also deepened my capacity to feel joy. Every hardship I've gone through, it's cut me deeper and increased my capacity for love. And
0: so I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take back anything. I wouldn't take back any night that I spent an anxious wreck
1: any circumstance that led me to the panic attacks, any, anything, I want to take it back because those fevers that I experienced, if I didn't have them, I might not have been in a position to hold Jesus' hand. And if I never got to know but it felt like to hold his hand. I don't know where I'd be. So I say that to remind you, God's a personal God.
0: He's with you. And more than than what you can do for him, more than what your situation dictates about your life, he just wants a relationship with you. And
1: he wants you to hold his hand. He's a personal God. I wasn't even going to say this, but what makes this book different than religion? Than any other belief system out there? Jesus held this woman's hand. And released her of her bondage before she prepared a meal
0: for him. Religion says, do these things and then Jesus will hold your hand. Do these things, prepare this meal, and then Jesus will release you of your fever. Jesus
1: didn't do that. He held her hand first. And helped her get up first. This is the only belief system in the world that constitutes that sort of reverse system. All right, I'm going to have to get used to blubbering on camera. I love you. I'm cheering you on. If you're in a season where you you need
0: your hand held, good night. Lord knows I've been there. I'm there a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. I need your hand again. I always need his hand. Um, And that's the perfect place to be. Know
1: you've got a heavenly father that's already outstretched his hand before you even recognize you want to hold his hand back. I feel the urge to pray. So I'm going to pray for you.
0: God, for whoever's watching, I don't know who is. I can't see their face, but you can. I pray you do what only you can do with this message. I pray you bring them back to the recognition they are loved, they are known, they are fiercely pursued, that you, out of all the things in the world you could have wanted because you're God and you made the world, more than anything, you just wanted our hearts. You wanted to hold our hand and you proved that by sending your one and only son to come here as one of us, die a death that we could not, so we could live a life that we don't deserve.
1: Someone needs you out there, God. Please hold their hand and make it so clear and known that you're holding their hand.
0: Not before they do a thousand things to get to you or to earn it or to prepare something for you. No, just I pray that you open their hands to know right where they are, right where they're at in the middle of their addiction, in the middle of their fear, in the middle of their anxiety, in the middle of the 4 a.m. They can't sleep because they're sweating because they're so nervous about the future or what they did in the past moments. You're with them, and you got them, and you're holding them, and you have a plan and a purpose for their life, and they are not powerful enough to ruin that. And I pray that the comfort they are given in this moment is that all they need to do is to look to you, look to Jesus. That's it. That's their call to
1: action. And I pray that you prepare our hearts to fall more in love With you than what you can do for us. Jesus' name, amen. I love you, friend.
0: Hey beautiful people, I hope this episode blessed you. Two quick things before you tune me out. One, if this podcast means anything to you, if you find value from it, I really am asking you to leave a review. It helps me out a ton. It also helps get this word out to anybody else God wants it to be put on their heart. Second thing is if you're ever like me and don't have a full hour or 40 minutes to designate to a full podcast episode, I have a brand new podcast for you. It's the baby podcast of this parent podcast, Made to Shine. It's called Made to Shine Minute. It is literally 60 seconds every single morning of an idea, a nugget put on my heart, what have you. I hope it blesses you. You can find it everywhere you look for podcasts.